Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org slash give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, I don't know what you're going through when you walked in here today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your situation is, but I do know that we have a good God that whenever we lift up our hands and we worship him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords remind us that he is for us, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, that he would guide us. How many of you believe that today? Come on up out of our campuses. Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. I'm gonna worship God no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm dealing. Oh, it may seem like things are difficult. It may seem like things are challenging, but you know what? God is with me and God is for me. And if you believe that today, come on at all of our campuses, give Jesus a shout of praise, amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to take a moment and welcome every single campus who's tuning us online right now, watching us right now, live. And so I want to welcome our West Kendall campus. Can we give it up for our West Kendall campus? Our Redland campus, Pastor Emilio and Jackie. Our Core Gables and downtown campus, Pastor Al our Doral campus, Pastor Jose, Pastor Alex from our, our West Kendall campus, and of everyone who's watching us online, can we give it up for them as loud as you can? Amen. Well, my name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here, and we are in the middle of this series that we've entitled Wrestling with God, and we're studying the life of, of Jacob, and uh, today uh, we're going to go through Genesis chapter 27, and, and let me tell you, uh, this narrative, there, there's a lot of drama. Uh, this is like a soap opera, a, a telenovela, and uh, it's a lot of drama in this narrative, but there's a lot of uh, things that we can apply to our daily uh, life and our daily walk with, with Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Genesis chapter 27, and we're going to begin in verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, all the verses will be on the screen. How many of you are ready? Yeah. All right. Here's what the Word of God says. Stay with me. I'm going to read part of the narrative. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so he, he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. So now then take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me a delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat it, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord 
before I die. In other words, Isaac is trying to bless Esau, and now Rebekah hears what's happening, and she's trying to get in the middle of all this to ensure that Jacob receives the blessing. And so with all that being said, let's go to the Lord and let us pray. Father God, we just come before you. We thank you for this time that we can gather together and sing songs about you, Lord. God, you are a good and gracious God. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Thank you that you gave it all for us, Lord. There is nothing that we can do to earn our way into heaven. It is a gift that you give us through Jesus. And so today, Lord, we want to be transformed not by how good the music sounds or uh, by the eloquent words that are spoken or, or by the things that are... Lord, we want to be transformed by the power of your Spirit through your Word, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you eliminate every single distraction from our minds now and help us to grow and learn in your word, God. We love you. We thank you. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. You can have a seat now at all of our campuses. You know, something about me is that I love uh, to drive. Uh, how many of you love driving? Love driving? Make some noise. How many of you are like, no, I don't love driving? Make some noise. Yeah. Oh, wow. My wife is just like that. She doesn't like driving, but I, I love to drive. And so when we go on a road trip, if we go to Georgia or Tennessee or the Carolinas, I can drive the entire time. And, and I just love it. And so my beautiful wife is just there in the passenger seat and she loves it. But you know, when it comes to driving, before the days of us having all the uh, technological advances of a GPS system and uh, Google Maps and Apple Maps and, and Waze. Before all of that, and uh, you old school people remember, and probably the younger people generation do not remember, we used to have these paper road maps. You remember that? Oh yeah, the struggle was real. Because when you were driving, uh, you would buy one for the state of Florida, and then you had to buy one for another one for the state of Georgia, and, and then uh, North Carolina or South Carolina, wherever you were going. And so you had all these maps, and I, and I have vivid images of my dad uh, putting, uh, opening up the map and putting it on the hood, and then trying to figure out which direction do I go? Uh, what, what interstate am I going to take? And, and he, he was serious, y'all. He would, he would take out his highlights. And he was highlighting the, the, the roadmap and, and trying to figure, figure things out. You know, the struggle was real because back in the days when someone was going somewhere with you, if you were going to uh, your favorite restaurant or you were going to go travel somewhere, you would tell them, follow me. Hey, just follow me. And it was difficult because if they were going fast, you had to go fast. If they were going slow, you had to go slow. If they stopped in the gas station, you had to stop in the gas station. And if you were the one leading the person, you would say things in your mind like, ah, oh, this person can't drive. They can't keep up with me. Or they're trying to pass me. You know, you would have all these uh, fights in your mind. And, and, it was, and it was challenging. Now, if you want to go somewhere, you don't tell the person, follow me. You just give them the address and they put it on Waze or Google Maps or Apple Maps, and they have full control of where they're going. In other words, if they want to take the highway 
Palmetto Expressway, they can take Palmetto Expressway. If they want to go the back roads and take O'Cuddler, they can take O'Cuddler. If they want to go faster, they can go faster. If they want to go slower, they can go slower because they have full control. And here's the thing about us. Every single one of us, whether you've been a believer for a long time or you just came to the things of Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus Christ at all, Every single one of us, we all love control. Say it with me, control. control. Say it like you mean it, control. control. But can I remind you today that God does not operate like Waze or Google Maps or Apple Maps. God gives us one road map, and that is the Word of God. And when you are a follower of Jesus, yeah, I'm preaching today to somebody. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's called you to follow him. But oftentimes, we want to do things our way. It's my life. It's my marriage, Carlos. It's my finances. It's my home. It's my children. It's my plan. It's my agenda. And when we do things our way, there are severe consequences. When we have control of our lives and do not give it to God, there are some consequences. And so today, we're going to learn through this narrative of the dangers of doing things our way and how to follow God's plan. And so we love uh, to take notes here. Make sure Core Gables, Redland Campus, you're taking notes. And so take out your listening guide, your Christ Fellowship app. And this is the first point that I want you to write down today. We tend to wrestle with God's plan. Every single one of us, we tend to wrestle with God's plan. Now, let me go back to that passage, and I want to read part of the narrative, because here's what the Word of God says in Genesis chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hum game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat it, that my soul may bless you. Say it with me, bless you. Bless you. Say it like you mean it, bless you, bless you before I die. Now let me give you a little bit of context to set up the teaching for today because there's a lot going on in this narrative of Genesis chapter 27. And we are learning the life of Jacob. And so here we have a father by the name of Isaac and we have the mother by the name of Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah, they have twins uh, children, two boys by the name of Esau and Jacob. Now Esau and Jacob, the Bible says that even from the mother's womb, they were always fighting. This is uh, sibling rivalry, uh, rivalry to the, the epitome of that. This is like evil, wicked. They're always going at it with each other. And uh, there's a lot of hostility and animosity. And it's always happened since they were in their mother's womb. And the reason for that is because in the mother's womb, uh, you see Esau represented the nation of Edom and Jacob represented the nation of Israel. And from the line of Jacob, he would have 12 children and that's where we would have the 12 tribes 
uh, of Israel. And eventually Jesus Christ would be born uh, from the tribe of Judah. And so they were always fighting. They were, they, was, they were always in hostility. And the plan was, this is God's plan. We read God's plan for this family specifically. We read it in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. And it says, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. And the one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Now, these are two twins and the older one was Esau by like 12 seconds. Now, in biblical times in the ancient world, it wasn't like nowadays that the inheritance was evenly split between the siblings, between the children. But back in those days, uh, the oldest son would receive most of the inheritance. But what's most important is that the oldest son would receive the blessing uh, from his father. Now, God's plan was different than what man's plan was. God tells this family, he tells Rebecca and he tells Isaac, listen, in your case, in your situation, the plan is that I'm going to bless Jacob, even though he's younger, and I'm not going to bless Esau. And I'm going to do it because that's my sovereign will. And I choose Jacob and I don't choose Esau. And so what happens is, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, not following God's plan leads to disobedience. Not following God's plan leads to disobedience because Isaac the father does not want to do the plan that God has for his family. In other words, he wants to take control of the narrative. He doesn't want to allow God to do what he wants to do. And Rebecca is trying to scheme things. She's being deceitful because she wants to ensure that she's helping out God's plan. Because here's what happens, and I want to give you a little bit of what's taking place in this narrative. Isaac's favorite son was Esau. And Rebekah's favorite son was Jacob. Each of them had favorites. So rather than making the sibling rivalry any better, they made it worse. You see, Esau, the Bible says he was a man's man. The narrative says that he was a hairy man. If Esau lived today, he would have probably played offensive line in high school. <laughs> he was a strong, husky dude, beard, chewing tobacco. He probably would have driven a Ford F-250 <laughs> with the massive tires. I am here, this strong, strong man. He probably would be watching uh, Sons of Anarchy or Duck Dynasty or Alaska Frontier, or, or Survivor. He was a man's man. So Isaac wanted to bless the man's man. That's my favorite. That's the one that deserves the blessing, even though God had given him the plan to this family. Jacob, on the other hand, this is what the Word of God says. This is not me making this up. He was not a man's man. He wasn't as tough. He was more tender. The Bible says that he didn't have uh, hairy skin. He had smooth skin. So he probably put a lot of lotion, <laughs> essential oils. He, he didn't watch Sons of Anarchy or Doug's Dynasty. Maybe he watched The Bachelor. <laughs> Maybe he would have been watching Love is Blind. He wasn't driving a Ford F-250. 
He was probably driving a four-door Honda Accord. No offense if you drive a four-door Honda Accord. <laughs> Pastor Omar drives a four-door Honda Accord. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I love you, Pastor Omar. This is the last time I'm preaching at CF. I love you all. God bless you. So, so, so Rebecca's favorite was, was Jacob. And, and, and Isaac's favorite was Esau. And so Isaac did not want to submit to God's plan. And Rebecca, conversely, wanted to scheme things because she thought God's plan needed help. She didn't trust in God's plan. Let me, let me help God. I came to remind you, God does not need your help. If he said he's going to do it, oh, I'm better, you better believe it. He's going to do it. He does not need your help because he is the sovereign God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the sustainer of all things. And if God says in his word that he's going to do it, oh, you better believe it. He's going to do it. I'm preaching to somebody today at Redland. I'm preaching to somebody today at West Kendall, at, at Coral Gables. And so everyone was trying to control. Say with me, control. control. Say it like you mean it, control. Everyone was trying to take control of the narrative. And they were being disobedient. Here's what happens when you try to take control of the narrative. You become deceptive. That's the other D. It's four Ds today. Deception. Look at what, what, what Rebecca tells Isaac. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father, such as he loved, and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him. No, no, seem to be mocking him. You, you are mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Now, when I used to read this narrative, Rebecca is telling her favorite son, Jacob, hey, son, do what as I, as I say, obey my voice, go out to the field, I, I, I'm gonna prepare the meal and we're gonna beat Esau to it and you're gonna receive the blessing and Esau's not gonna receive the blessing and so I'm gonna make sure that things happen the way God says it. And, and I was envisioning uh, that, that Esau and Jacob were in their 30s or maybe late 20s. But the more that I studied this narrative, Jacob and Esau we're 77 years old. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude, you're a mama's boy. Yo, there, 77 years old. Dude, I mean, you have your own mind. He is being so deceived. Not only is he being deceived by his mom, he's deceiving himself. Because he's, he says in the narrative, oh, perhaps I'm mocking my dad. No, you are mocking your dad. You are committing a sin. You see, when we try to control the narrative so much, not only do we deceive other people so that we can have control, we deceive ourselves. And the most dangerous form of deception is self-deception. The most dangerous form of deception is self-deception. Oh, oh, that's not that bad. 
I've been married for many years and it's never happened to me. And so it's okay for me to have that friendship with the person of the opposite sex and for me to go meet with them for coffee and no one is around. She's just a friend. I'm just being friendly. I'm not being flirty. Self-deception. Oh, God said he's going to bless me with my finances, but you know, inflation and the housing market and everything that's going on, I I just got to hold on. I can't be generous. God is going to understand. I don't have to exemplify generosity in this season of my life. He's going to understand self-deception. You've been a single for a very long time, and here comes this guy who is not a good guy for you. But, but you know, I've been single for a long time. And yes, he's not a believer. And yes, he's not coming to church now. But eventually he'll come. He, he has potential. <laughs> potential. Really? He has potential to lead you the wrong way. He has potential to not guide you to the things of God. Wait a minute, I'm not going to deceive myself and control the narrative. Even though I've been single for a long time, I'd rather be single for another season because I'm going to trust God and I'm going to believe God that his purposes are good and perfect for my life and he has good things for me. How many of you believe that today? I am preaching to somebody today. You deceive yourself thinking that things are going to be okay. And and it's crazy because Jacob is like, oh, maybe I'm mocking my dad. No, you are mocking your dad, and you're 77 years old. Grow up. God said he's going to do it. You don't have to manipulate things. You don't have to fabricate things. You don't have to skew things. If God is going to do it, he's going to do it, and you just got to trust him. And they were all deceiving themselves. And what's interesting, just to point something else, it says, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall be seen to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey, obey my voice and go bring them to me. It's interesting. Jacob was concerned about getting caught. If daddy finds out If Isaac finds out, I'm not going to receive the blessing, but instead, I'll be cursed. He was more concerned not about the sin of being deceitful, but he was more concerned with the consequence of sin. And oftentimes, I know we learned about it last week, about the consequences of sin, but oftentimes, as believers, we can be more afraid and more concerned about the consequence of the sin than its sin itself. We are more concerned about the ramifications and what may happen as a byproduct of the sin that you committed than than the sin itself. And God doesn't, yes, God wants you to be afraid of the consequences and the destruction that it leads to, but he also wants you to hate the sin itself. I have three beautiful children And I love being a dad. You know, I joke about it all the time, but you know, it is challenging. But I love being a dad. And and my kids are, they're good kids. My boys are good boys. And my little girl, Everly, the ringleader, she's beautiful and she's a good girl as well. But when you have two boys and they're only 20 months apart, there's a lot of rivalry that takes place and a lot of uh, back and forth that takes place. 
Sometimes I'm like, you guys have fought like three times already and it's only 6.57 in the morning. Come on, just choose a spoon. Oh, I got this spoon. No, that's my spoon. I got that spoon. They're all the same. They're all from Ikea. Just grab a spoon and eat cereal. Oh, I want to sit in the middle. Oh, sit in the side. No, I want to sit in the middle. No, I want to sit in the middle. I want to give Everly a hug first. I want to give Everly a hug first. And I see the two boys going at it all the time. They love each other and they protect each other. But make no mistake, I'm just being honest. We pray all the time, but they fight all the time. They do. But here's the thing. As a father, there are consequences of the sins that they commit. And at times, I have to tell them, listen, because you did this and this and that, you can't watch this, or you can't, we're not going to the movies, or you can't play uh, PlayStation 5. But as a dad, I don't want Noah and Nathan just to hate the consequence of the sin. I want them to hate the sin. I want them to hate, wait a minute, it is not fair for me not to share the things that, that, that I have because they don't belong to me. Actually, my father gave it to me. And so because of that, I want to share this with my brother. I want to show, uh, be kind to him, even if he's mean to me. I don't want to retaliate. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to fight with him. I want them to hate the sin. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. God wants to remind you, listen, it's okay to hate the consequences of the sin, but He wants you to hate the sin itself. Why? Because the sin does not bring satisfaction. The sin does not bring joy. The sin does not bring pleasure. Only Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the one who created you, can bring you purpose and calling and satisfaction and pleasure. How many of you believe that today? I am preaching to somebody today if you're watching us online. And so little Jacob, who is 77 years old, is no longer little, hated the consequence of the sin. And so he was deceiving his father. He was deceiving himself. And here's the next point that I want you to write down. When you do things your way, not only are you disobedient, not only are you deceitful, but you also, here's the next point, deflection. We see in this narrative, deflection. See disobedience, we see deception, and now we see deflection. Look what the Bible says, verse 18. So he went into his father and said, my father, dad, I'm here. Who are you, my son? This is Isaac, he can't see well. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me, lying. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Look at what happens, verse 20, super, super important. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Look what he said. He answered, because the Lord, your God, granted me success. And if you're taking notes, if you have your Bibles, you can underline that word because it's so, so imperative that you understand this because Jacob is trying to trick and mock his father and trying to get him to bless him and not Esau. He says, how, how is it that you went hunting, uh, killed the buck, and, 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 and made the food for me? How, how is it that you got here so quick? He deflects his answer, and now he points to God and says, well, God gave me favor. God helped me through this situation, it was God that gave me success that I was able to find that animal and I was able to put this meal together so that you can enjoy it. You, you know what that statement is? 
At that statement is Jacob taking the Lord's name in vain. That, that, is, that is blasphemy. He includes God's name to control his selfish desire. I, I, I can't get out of this, so, so let me get God so that I can accomplish my selfishness. Can, I, I can execute this plan. Oftentimes, we can fall into that trap. Well, God told me so. God told me that we need to move here. God told me that I need to do this. God told me that I need to leave this church. God told me that I need to, and we include God. It's like, did God tell you so? Or did you tell yourself so? Yeah. Because oftentimes we are so guided and led by our emotions, by our thoughts and our feelings. And I came to remind you that Jeremiah 17 says that our heart is deceitful above all things. So do not be guided by the feelings that you feel. Be guided by the word that you read. Trust the word that you read, not the feelings that you feel. Oh, come on, somebody. I heard two of you heard, heard that. Ten of you. Don't worry, the Heat are going to win today, so don't worry. I see a New York Knicks fan in front of me right here, so I'm trying not to look that way. It's all good. I love you, brother. I'm going to be praying for you. God bless you. Sorry. It's going to be a good, good series. Let's go back into it. Sorry. Have my moment. But don't be guided by your feelings. Trust the word that you read, not the feelings that you feel. And I have seen marriages destroyed, families, homes destroyed because people that mean well will say, well, God told me so. Listen, I'll tell you this. Every major decision that I make, it's always Shawnee and I in agreement. Even if, you know, if, I, if God puts something in my heart and he initiates something, and if I tell Shawnee, and she does not feel at peace about it, then I'm not going to make that decision. I'm not. If we pray about something, eventually, if it is from God, eventually she will say, baby, I feel at peace about it. I trust you. Yes, let's make that decision. For example, for many years, Shawnee and I, we've been trying to buy a home. And my beautiful wife wanted to buy a fixer-upper. She wants to put her uh, creativity into it. She wants the kitchen a certain way. She wants to, uh, to look a certain way. And the layout is she wanted a fixer-upper. I've always wanted a turnkey. I don't, I'm not a handy person. And so I want us to buy something that we just, uh, just get the furniture. You don't have to do anything. Just, just move into the place. And so for years, we looked at certain homes. And there were homes that she really loved and I was like, oh, no, it's okay. But, and I was like, baby, if you want it, I'll say yes because a, a happy wife is a happy life. So, you know, I, I'll say yes to that. And so, and there's moments that, she, you know, and then we'll go back and forth. And, and then I would want a certain home and she doesn't want it. Eventually, several months ago, we looked at a home and we walk in and it's a fixer-upper. And Shawnee's looking around like, yeah. <laughs> she has that look to her. Husbands, you know what I mean. If, You've been married for some time. She's had that look to her like this. And at first, I was like, mm, you know, I don't know how I'm feeling this. But as we went on, I started envisioning our family living in this home. And so we went back home and we prayed about it. And even though at first I was like, oh, I'm not sure. And she was okay to say no to it. 
God put peace in my heart. And so we put an offer, and by the grace of God, after some time, they accepted our offer, and by the grace of God, we were able to buy a home not too far from here. God is good. He's been so, so good to us. But we make a decision together. It's not because, oh, I am the leader of the home and I'm the spiritual leader. I'm going to say something and my wife just needs to submit. No, that's not godly. If God puts something in your heart, yes, he puts something in your heart. And yes, you feel a certain way. But God's word says that husbands are called to love and serve their wives. And so as husbands, this is a way that we love and serve our wives by ensuring that they feel peace about a decision that we make. And so we make it together and we don't use God to fulfill our selfish desire and control the narrative. And oftentimes we may use God to do something that God is not calling you to do, that you want to do. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jacob is doing in this situation. And so he deflects the responsibility. And here's the next point. When you do do things your way, it brings destruction. It brings destruction. Look at what happens in this passage Now Esau, verse 41, hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee to Lebanon, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Look at the messiness of what happens now. Esau comes from hunting the food and comes to his father Isaac. They eventually, both of them, they eventually both find out that, 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 that Isaac was blessing the wrong son, that he had blessed Jacob instead of Esau. And back in those days, when a father gave a verbal blessing, it was an irrevocable blessing. In other words, even though he said it verbally, he cannot take that back. So once he blessed Jacob, he can no longer bless Esau. And so they both realized what had taken place. And so Isaac is crushed and destroyed. He's hurt. He's disappointed. He feels like a fool because of the plotting and the scheming of of his wife and his son, Jacob. Esau is so bitter and so upset. He's so angry that now he wants to kill his own brother. Then Rebecca tells Jacob, her favorite son, what is about to happen, and tells her favorite son, leave. Do you know that Rebecca never ever sees her favorite son again? After this narrative, Rebecca never sees Jacob and she lives for about 20 more years and never gets to see him. And then Jacob, he runs away, he's afraid, He's fearful, he's anxious, he's worried, he's concerned, he feels he's running for his life. All of this because everyone tried to take control of the narrative. You see the messiness that that leaves? You see the destruction that it created? 
Isaac is not happy. Esau wants to kill his own brother. Jacob is running away. And Rebekah never sees her son again. All because they all try to control the narrative. Can you imagine if the parents, Isaac and Rebekah, would have submitted to God's plan? Think about it. Perhaps a lot of this chaos and this destruction would have never taken place. They could have avoided all these road bumps on the way. But, but here's the amazing thing, and I want you to write down, because this is really the premise, and it encapsulates Genesis chapter 27. And here's where grace comes in. God uses all things to accomplish his plan. Amen? God uses all things. You see, because even though this was a sinful, deceitful, wicked narrative, and they had to go through so much hurt and pain, God would still use Jacob as the vehicle. Jacob would have 12 children, and out of the 12 children, we would have the 12 tribes of Israel, and out of that, we would have the tribe of Judah, and eventually, years down the road, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who died for us, the one who came down and lived a perfect life and removed all of our sins, paid the penalty all and for once, Jesus Christ will be born from the tribe of Judah. Why? Because God gave his word, and he gave his plan, and he gave his promise, and he fulfilled every single thing that he said that he was going to fulfill. And God would even use something like deception to eventually, to eventually create and lead to his purpose and his plan. So if you are wrestling with control, if you are wrestling with God's plan, if you are trying to create your narrative, you follow God's plan by surrendering. You follow God's plan by surrendering. Because there came a moment where every single person in this narrative would eventually surrender and let go of the rope and their agenda and their plan and they would allow God to do what God is going to do. Because look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 27, verse 33. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that haunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. And then look at what Isaac says. Yes, and he shall be blessed. You know that statement where it says that he trembled very violently. When you read it in Hebrew, it's not so much that he was crying or he was sad or he was discouraged or he was depressed and part of it it was but it was more that Isaac at that moment realized that he had been wrestling with God's plan that he had been wrestling with what God had called this family to do and it was time for him to let it go that's why he says yes and he shall be blessed in fact in Genesis chapter 28 the chapter right after look at what the verse 1 says then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed, directed him. In other words, Isaac already had blessed Jacob. But he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The first time that I blessed you, it was by mistake. 
The first time that I blessed you, it was because you mocked me and you tricked me and you made me think that you were Esau. But this time, son, I want to bless you and I want to know that I'm blessing you. And he calls him and he directs him. Years later, 20-something years later, Jacob, the two brothers that hated, them, hated each other, would eventually meet. And look at what the Bible says in Genesis 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men were with him. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Think about this for a moment. Jacob goes to confront his brother Esau to go meet with him 20 years later, 21 years later, after they last saw each other. And Esau is coming with 400 men. Jacob is probably thinking, he's going to kill me. And he bows down to his brother and his soldiers. Bowing down is the universal sign of what? Of surrender. It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what language you're from. It doesn't matter your background, your tradition, your culture. If you bow down, you're surrendering. And look at what happens to Esau. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Esau surrenders. Jacob surrenders. Isaac surrenders. Rebecca surrenders. 20-something years later, when Isaac is, born, is, is, is dead, he's 180 years old. In Genesis 35, it says that Esau and Jacob were there in the burial, weeping together. They surrendered. They surrendered. God, I've been controlling, controlling this narrative, but I surrender it. What, what is it that you need to surrender to God today? Maybe it's the betrayal. Maybe they said things about you or, 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 or you felt, felt like they made a fool of you and, and you felt like they slandered your character or maybe it's a past relationship or maybe it's past hurts or what your father did to you or a family member or a friend. Carlos, if only you knew what they did to me and, and you carry the bitterness and the anger and the pain and the frustration and the unforgiveness and, and it's hurt. And even though you don't realize it, it is hurting you. What is it that you need to surrender to God? Because following God's plan begins with surrender. So here's what I want us to do now at all of our campuses. I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to take this moment right now. And I want you to just pray. Pray, God, what is it that I need to surrender to you today? Is it, is it, is it my, 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 my family, my marriage? Is it the unforgiveness, my, my pride? Is it my business? Is it, what, what is it that I need to surrender today so that I can follow your plan?